Welcome to Bow Gardens Baptist Church podcast with our pastor, Brian Crouch, as he presents scripture in a way that is relevant to your life and provides application to help you in your daily spiritual walk. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's sermon. Something is, I don't know, it's a gremlin or something in that uh, microphone. So uh, this is much better already, isn't it? Uh, so here's what I want to do. Uh, Jerry, will you come up here for a second? Come on. So last week's sermon, everybody's like, man, I'm so glad you didn't call on me. <laughs> isn't Jerry be- beautiful this morning? Okay, so, okay that's not what I called you up for. Okay. So, last week's sermon uh, has spurred on a lot of conversation. Now, if you weren't here last week, you've got to go online on YouTube and different things uh, to watch it. But what I talked about was we talked about the Great Commission. We talked about go and make disciples. We talked about what that, what that looked like in general. And, and the fact that, I mean, I talked about a lot of different things, right? So, it was like drinking from a, a fire hose. And so, one of the things that I talked about I want to be clear about is that I'm not against casseroles, for one thing. Uh, I'm not against washing the windows. I'm not against mowing the grass. I'm not against all those type of things that have to be done here. What I am against is when we use those things to substitute our calling to reach the world. When we talk about uh, being equipped for the work of the ministry, mowing grass is not the work of the ministry that I am equipping you to do. The work of the ministry is going out into the community, reaching your neighbors and, and those type of things, and changing the world one soul at a time. So I had a lot of discussions. We had a very lively conversation Wednesday night, and and, and most of you know if you're married, you know what lively means. But um, so we had we had a lively discussion uh, on Wednesday night about. Some of the questions that people had, what the, the questions that raised the sermon that, it, you know, what it did. And so when I brought Jerry, you memorized all your lines, right? Okay, so, so what we're going to do is Jerry and I, are, we're going to do some role playing. She, she loves this, I know. She, she, she's already in character. She's already in character. You guys don't even know how well this is going already. And so, so what I have is I've got Jerry up here. And so what I want to do is I'm going to give you some examples of what I was told by church members. Well, here's the way that I spread the gospel. Here's the way that I reach somebody for Christ. This is what I'm doing. Now, now if you are the one, I'm not picking on anybody. Please do not under, uh, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not picking on anything. I want to give a visual of some of the, the, um, the, the, uh, I don't even know what a word, but anyway, some of the things that happen. You think this is easy getting up here, don't you? And so, so this is what happened. So Jerry, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come over here because the camera's over here. I don't want you to be out of the camera. Okay, I want everybody to be in the camera. So here's so here's here's one thing. Don't face that way. Okay, so here is one way that I that I was shown or told this is how I uh, disciple somebody, okay? 
let's pretend, Jerry, you're pretending. No, face that way. So <laughs> what I'm, what we're pretending to do is that we're, let's say we're at Publix. Let's say we're at Walmart. Let's say we're at, at, at some place like that. And, and Jerry and I are standing in line. Now, we can be three feet apart now because they kind of limited the, or they lifted some of that. So, so Jerry and I are just three feet apart. And so what I see Jerry up here and, and I say, uh, uh, excuse me, man. She is so good at the scene. We have not practiced this at all. We have not. So, okay, so, I said, yeah, okay, face the camera, turn around and say, and so, because this is who we're talking to, okay, so, so I, we go up and I say, excuse me, man, uh, um, uh, have you heard of Bow Gardens Baptist Church? Yes, I have, and that's not a fear I attend. No, okay, no, I have <laughs> All right, have a good day. How is that helpful, Jerry? Okay, so, so, okay, let's try this again. Thank <laughs> you. 
pray for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you know what? I'll even put you on our prayer list. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Dwayne. What, what church is that, Dwayne? Did you call? I'm sorry. I, don't know. <laughs> I go down to Bogart and Baptist Church. It's just right down the street a little bit. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. And what time is your service? Huh? You are doing great, Jerry. You're doing great. And so, 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 it's at ten thirty on Sundays. Anything else? No. Listen, when when we are standing in line and somebody just generally asks us to spend thirty seconds talking to them, is that discipleship? Now, what we could be doing, I don't want to miss it. Jerry, you've been great. Thank you so much. You've been Hey, listen, when you show up here, you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, and so, uh, and literally, Jerry did not know we were going to do that. Uh, but she did great. So, so here's what, here's what I've learned. And, 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 uh, Gary Goins isn't here, but on Wednesday night, this was this was another example of, of how we can we can we can do things or how we can maybe I don't even know but what his example was well you know one thing that I do is that when you know when we're standing in line or we're someplace like that and somebody sneezes you I say bless you or God bless you remember that conversation we talked about on Wednesday and and that sometimes opens a door to talk to somebody about you know whatever it is so. My misunderstanding, I made a lot of incorrect assumptions going into last week's sermon. I made a lot of assumptions that, that as a congregation, you have been taught what it means to personally reach out to somebody and disciple them through whatever part of the process that they are in. Okay, so these examples that we have up here, that is totally, I mean, you're planting seeds. There's nothing wrong with the examples that we gave up here. But that is not discipleship. That is not, that, I mean, again, you can plant seeds, you can do it that way, but, but that is not the, okay, that is not the full extent of what we are called to do. Okay? So what I what I think I should have done, like I, I mentioned earlier, I should have maybe started with this sermon and ended with last week's sermon. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a prequel, you know. And like I said, they they, they make a movie and it's real popular and everything. And cause so then they go back and say, well, we need to add to the story a little bit more of explanation of how we got to this point. That is what. I am going to do uh, this morning. Now, like I said, we've had we, I've had personal conversations with several people. On Wednesday night, we had a great discussion about what people thought of the sermon. Now, there were a lot of positive comments, and there were a, a lot of less positive comments. But here's what I want you to know. All of them were constructive for me. Because what that told me, it allowed me to learn a lot more about this group, about this congregation, and, and, and really even 
what you've been taught in the past. Okay? Here's something that, that I believe 100%. We have been, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but we have been <clears throat> programmed by places like Lifeway and, and different places like that that provide curriculum and different things like that. I feel we have been programmed by those places to believe we have to have programs to do church. We, we've been programmed to believe, well, we can't, we can't just do this on our own. We, we've got to have a class to do X, Y, and Z. We've got to have a class, we've got to have Sunday school curriculum to do Sunday school. I would argue the only thing it's going to take to do an effective Sunday school class is somebody that cares enough to be in the scripture and wants to teach somebody else. Amen. But we've been programmed over all these years that you've got to have a certain uh, curriculum, that you've got to have a five-year plan, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, or it won't be effective. And so what that does is that that teaches us, it trains us, it programs us that if the church does not provide a program to train me how to do X, Y, and Z, then I don't have to do it. Because I haven't been trained to do it. There's no class on this, therefore I'm not expected to do it. And so we, we, I feel through some of a lot of the discussion that we had this week, that is a lot of uh, what is going on. And, and one of the comments that, that I made, I think it was on Wednesday night, and, and there was actually disagreement with, with this one comment or question that I made. When you became a Christian, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you invited the Holy Spirit in your heart... Do you feel that you were equipped enough to go out and tell your neighbor about what just happened? There, there, was, there are some people that say no. There's some people that believe that, that having the Holy Spirit indwelling in us is not enough to speak to our neighbor about Christ. What I'm what I want to say is. If you look back through Acts and how that church flourished, guess how many programs they had? None. You know what they were doing? They were accepting the word, the teachings of the apostles, allowing it to change their lives. They went back into their neighborhood, their community, their families, explained to them what they had just heard and how it changed their life. And then their neighborhood, their neighbor, their friends, their family came back with them the next week to see what all the fuss was about. The problem is we have stopped fussing about what Christ has done for us. We've stopped making it a big deal. Some of us are not even excited. I mean, you can look. You can look out into any congregation anywhere. And if I was standing up here 
believe they're looking in your faces, would I want what you are projecting back to me? Is that, is that the same thing when we're at the store? When we're out mowing our grass? When we're, when we're walking our dogs around the neighborhood? We've got to be fully aware of what people are seeing in us by what we are projecting out. And, and it is so true that we are sometimes the only Bible some people are going to read. Do we take that even seriously anymore? And, you know, last week I talked about, you know, the... Do you act differently here than you do out there? Do, do people out there even know that you're a Christian? Do they even know that you go to church? Do they, you know, would it surprise them if your pastor showed up and had lunch with you one day on the work site? And they're like, wow, I never knew that you went to church. That kind of surprises me. It happens. Now what I did, I, I did because of all the conversations that we had and because of all the things... Uh, that, that went on this week, I went back and rewatched the sermon. Because I wanted to make sure that I did not misspeak, that I did not say something that I really didn't intend on saying, and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm standing here in front of you today that, that I meant every word I said last week. So I am not apologizing for anything that I said last week, because I still stand behind it. I still stand behind the general idea that our priorities are really messed up as believers. And so what I didn't do, looking at and talking to everybody, is that the big how. How do we do this? How? How do we disciple? What does discipleship look like? How does that fit into our lives? So, like, you know, 2020, uh, hindsight is always 2020, right? You can always look back and say, oh yeah, I should have probably done that first. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to do the prequel of last week's sermon. So if you want to, if you want to, you can turn to uh, Matthew 28. Uh, this is the Great Commission. We're just going to read a few verses. You don't have to turn here if you don't want to. And then we are going to go to Acts chapter 8 uh, eventually after this. So where I wanted to start today in the prequel is touching on kind of what we, we talked about last week. The Great Commission says this, and it's uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now here's one thing I want you to notice in this passage. Maybe you could argue a couple of things with it, but I believe the only direct command in this passage is make disciples. How we do that is we go baptize and teach. So the command, the last the last command that Jesus gave his disciples, his apostles that were following him, make disciples. Well, how do we do that? We go, we baptize, and we teach. Now, just so, just so that we, I know that we're all on the same page, Matthew 28, those verses that we read, 
Do those verses only apply to the apostles that were there at the time? No. And when they died, that calling stopped. No. We don't believe that, do we? What that means is, is that that direct command was given to the apostles to train, to teach their disciples, the ones that were going to follow them after Jesus was gone. And then, think about this, the ones that the apostles trained were supposed to do what? Train more disciples. And make more disciples. And then those are to make more disciples. That's what we believe. That's what we believe that passage means. It didn't just die when the apostles died off. Like, phew, good, I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus anymore because the apostles are gone. That's not what this is saying uh, at all. And so, a disciple is someone who receives instruction from another person. The example I gave, I think, on Wednesday night was the fact that that Jerry had been discipling uh, Linda Street for several months on the counting process of money. And so they come in, typically on Mondays, uh, they have a rotation and all that kind of stuff. So Jerry has been discipling Linda on the counting process of the tithes and offerings that are brought in. Now she's been doing that for several months. Uh, Linda has been learning a lot. Now, is Jerry's way the only way to count money? No. There's several different ways that, that we count money. There's different approaches and all that kind of stuff. And so, there's different ways to do it. In the way that we're thinking right now, Linda was a disciple of Jerry's, following behind her, learning how to do the counting for the church. Now, guess what? When we have somebody else that comes up and says, hey, you know what, I'd like to get involved, I heard, I heard you about the counting and different things like that, I would like to be, maybe be a part of that team. Would that be possible? Guess what? I am, eventually, I'm going to be able to look at Linda and say, Linda, can you train this person to do the counting? Does that make sense? So there is a discipleship process within the counting uh, of the money that that we do. Here's what I want you to understand. The discipleship process, as far as Christianity, is the same basic principle. Now the part that we get caught up in, I think, and the part that we trip over a lot is that, well, we want boxes to check off. Like, like okay, I said, I, 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 I quoted this particular verse, right, check. I, I said this particular prayer with this person and check. And, and they said this response back and check and check and check. And we've got a list of things that we have to accomplish in order to what we perceive to disciple somebody. The counting process is different because Jerry is the one that is doing the discipling. And it depends on the disciplee. Is that a word? Disciplee. <laughs> the one being discipled. Linda can only go at a certain speed. And so we so what we do is the discipler adjust 
what they're going over, how quick they go over certain things, what they talk about, how deep they get, how involved they are, and things like that, depending on how quick Linda is picking it up and what they can move to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It could take a month, it could take six months, it could take a year. It depends on the discipler and the disciple leading on the correct process and how long it takes. But people are very anxious when they don't have a checklist to go through. They're worried about, am I going to forget something? And, and so what that means, what that tells me is that I'm afraid that I'm going to say something wrong so the Holy Spirit is not going to be able to work in that person's life. Right? I might mess up the prayer so they're not going to get saved, so I'm not going to say any prayers. Right? I mean, if we are honest, we do stuff like that. We justify things in our brain a certain way. Well, if I do it, I'd rather not do it than do it wrong. That is not going to reach the world when you have that attitude. So, so here's what I want to do. Um, let's go to Acts 8. And Aaron, go down to the next slide. There you go. Perfect. Um, so how do we do this? What does the process look like? How do we how do we accomplish this and things like that? And I'm you guys are gonna have to listen a lot faster or we're never gonna get through this. And so uh, let's go to Acts chapter eight and we're gonna start in verse twenty six. Now here what we have is 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 one of Jesus' followers, Philip, and the the inner the interaction that he has with a, with an Ethiopian. Now the reason I love this is that it is so straightforward and very simple for, for anybody to understand how this discipleship process happened. Alright, let's look at Acts chapter 8, starting in verse uh, uh, 26. Gotta put my glasses on. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south uh, to the road, the, the uh, desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem uh, to Gaza. Now, here's the first thing I want to point out. That there is always going, in discipleship and, and things like that, there's always going to be a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we are looking for all these fireworks and, and, and all these, you know, the doors that just fly right open and, oh, I, you know, or, or we're even expecting, maybe we're even expecting well, the only time I have to do any kind of stuff is when they approach me. Do you realize that this is saying, this, this example, and we'll get to more in just a minute, but this is saying, go. The Holy Spirit prompts us, and listen, if your heart is open to speaking to other people about what He has done in your life, the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you to go talk to somebody. It could be somebody at the community center. It could be, now here's one thing that, that I totally get, is let's say you go to, uh, let's use, uh, uh, Alice, let's use Walgreens. So you, you are always going to Walgreens and the same cashier is there pretty much all the time, like 90% of the time when you go get your meds and things like that, or whatever you're gonna get, you see this cashier almost on a weekly basis. Right? 
Okay, so the first month that you see this person, you're striking up a conversation. Now, now, like in Alice's case, she was the cashier and she got to talk to these people over and over and over and over again. And even as the cashier, she built a relationship with the customers that were coming in, right? You were able to do that. Now, let's say you're the customer, you see this cashier, and you've gone a month, and you've started building some sort of relationship with this cashier, and you can now say to them, hey, uh, you know, after a month or a month and a half, you've been talking, you're really comfortable with them, and they, they even wave at you and say hi when you walk in. I mean, it's just like walking into Cheers when you go to Walgreens and everything. And so they say hi, and then... This time, I mean, you, you've been praying about this all week long, and this time when you go up to the cashier, you say, do you go to church anywhere? That's an open door. You've built a relationship. Now they know that, that you go to church, where you go, and they may say, they say, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not really interested in that kind of stuff. You drop it, right? But the next week when you go in, you can still have the conversation. You still hide. They still wave at you when you walk in. Nothing has changed. You still build that relationship a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger until eventually, after nine months, ten months, after two years, after five times that you have asked them, hey, do you go to church anywhere? The person finally says, you know what, I don't, and, and, and you're like the fifth person that's brought that up to me in the last month. Where do you go to church? See, that is the part of the discipleship process that, that we, what we think is, well, I'm just going to sprinkle this seed once in the person in front of me that I will probably most likely never see again. That's in, that is as involved as we get in furthering the kingdom of God. We just we just sprinkle a little bit. We plant the seed here, we plant the seed there. There's so much more to what we need to do. Okay, let's keep going. We are never going to get done with this. Okay. Verse 27. So he started out and uh, on the way he met an Ethiopian eunuch who was an important official in charge of all the treasury in the Kadenk, uh, which means uh, queen of the Ethiopians. Do you realize this guy was very powerful? He had a lot of responsibility in this kingdom, in this area. So, well, anyway, we'll get to that. So, um, in the, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way, yeah, 29, and on his way, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? The Spirit of God tells Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Philip is at a crossroads right now that we are at a crossroads all the time. The Holy Spirit has prompted you to talk to somebody about what he has done in your life. And you can either choose to go stand by the chariot and wait for the next signal. 
or you're just going to continue down that desert road like nothing was ever happened. It happens to us all the time, and I would argue maybe even daily, depending on how, how often you get out and, and what you do in your daily life and things like that. This is the process of discipleship. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to go talk to somebody. You have no idea what is getting ready to happen. Philip had no idea what was getting ready to happen. But he went, go, he obeyed what the Holy Spirit was telling him to do, and he waited. Let's go down to, to verse 30. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot. He was pretty excited, wasn't he? Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? So here's what we've got. The Holy Spirit prompts you to go and, and interact with somebody. You have been praying for an open door for a week to talk to somebody. The open door happens. This guy was reading scripture. It may be the fact that you're wearing a Christian t-shirt and somebody asks you, what does that verse mean? Or I've heard a lot about that verse on, you know, TV or whatever. What does that mean? There's an open door right there that you've been praying for. And you've got an opportunity to do something about that. Let's go, let's keep reading. So those are the go. When, when, in Matthew 28, when we talked about the go, that's the go. We have to be obedient to the calling of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> then we go down to 30 and 31. Then Philip ran up, and I'll read this to you, but Philip ran up to the, and he asked the guy, uh, the, the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? 31 says, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up, uh, up and sit with him. Okay, now here, listen, this is, you might get your toes stepped on a little bit. Sometimes we don't do this because we don't know enough about this book to even answer the simplest question, do we? We, we are afraid of approaching anybody and even talking about our testimony, what Jesus has done in our lives, what, what he has done, because, just to be honest with you, we're not in this book. 90% of your biblical education comes once a week on a Sunday morning, and what comes out of my mouth? And that is all you know about Scripture. You, you don't take time to read it for yourself. You don't take time to, to, to even get a commentary. There's a million of them online that you can access for free. So you can understand this book. Well, that just, that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. You don't know how busy I am. Okay. Then, then just go about your life and, and do what you're doing. That's fine. One thing that I learned a long time ago is that as, as your pastor, and I even had to get over this with just being a husband, okay? The idea that I, even as a husband, I am not responsible for what Lori does. 
She has her own free will. She makes her own decisions. I can do my best to lead her, but I cannot make her do anything, right? Here's what I've learned as being a pastor. I can preach the word. I can't make you do squat about it. And, and there's a lot of you, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. <clears throat> there's a lot of you that you, you've heard last week's sermon and then today's prequel sermon to that. And, and you will leave here this afternoon and nothing will change how you do anything. No skin off my back. I quit worrying about that. Because you have to listen to the Holy Spirit yourself. I am not the Holy Spirit. I am preaching the word, and I'm, I'm doing all the studying I possibly can before I get here up here on Sunday. And once I preach the word, guess what? It's your time to go and do X. Amen. And all of us, all of us have free will either to listen to the Holy Spirit or you don't. Not my problem. I am being obedient to God with what I am preaching. What I feel throughout the week, He has given me to tell the congregation. What you guys do with it is up to you. And there might be five people in this group of 50 right here that it'll affect. I have to be okay with that. Because I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the one in charge of that. I'm preaching what God has given me uh, to preach. But but here's the thing is, but we need to know what's in this book. Amen. You, you have to, you cannot rely on me for, for 30 minutes every Sunday morning to give you everything you need to know about this book. You can't. It was never intended that way. Never intended that way. And this day and age, you have no excuse. There are apps that you can download on your phone that you could do uh, daily devotions and do stuff like I mean, you, there are so many ways that you could do this. There is no excuse for anybody if you want to. See, that's the thing. If you want to, if you want to make a difference in this community, if you want to make a difference in your circle of influence, if you want to, there's plenty of ways to do it. Plenty of ways. All right, let's get going. Uh, it says the, the passage of the scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like sheep to the slaughter and the lamb before the shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Uh, his humiliation, uh, uh, he, in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak for his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then, here we go. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. I'm guessing, I'm guessing out of a group of probably 50 some people here today, I'm guessing there's at least half of you that could not do what Philip just did. At least half. That if somebody, if you walked up to somebody or they walked up to you because you had a Christian shirt on and they asked you, what does John 3.16 mean? 
up, you would start sweating like crazy, and you would stumble, try to stumble through even, even that one verse to explain what Jesus supposedly has done in your own life. How is that? Man, you've got somebody that is standing right in front of you, and, and you are not prepared to give an answer for the faith that you have that is inside you. You're going to be held accountable to that. Do you understand that? When you stand up before God and you have to give an account for your life, and he says, remember that time that you were walking down the street and I brought somebody to you because that's what you were praying for me to do, right? I brought somebody to you and I opened that barn door wide open. And you did nothing. And a lot of it is because we don't know anything in this book. So what do we do? Let's reference last week. We make casseroles for potlucks. Because that's the work of the ministry. That's part of it. That's something I can do. It's very comfortable. I'm not convicted in any way by setting up the tables and, and putting out the nice tablecloths and, and putting the centerpieces. Man, I can do that all day long. I'm doing the work of the ministry. Boom, I'm done. See, that's what I was talking about last week, is the fact that we are replacing busyness with furthering the kingdom of God. And it, it's everywhere. It's every church. I'm not just picking on anybody here. It's everywhere. And so, I, as your pastor, I am through all these studying that we're doing and things like that. I am becoming a lot more convicted about serious things. And, and I am going to be held accountable to how this church reaches this community. I believe that. As, as the leader of this church, I'm going to be held accountable for how this church, how do I equip, right? How do I equip you guys to do the work of the ministry? Not whether you do it or not. How did I equip you? The five of you that change, it changes their life these last two weeks. Like, I gotta do something. I gotta win somebody. I gotta go out there and share my testimony with somebody. I don't care what the cost is, I've gotta do that. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me, I've got to answer to that. That's who I'm talking to this morning. I want to give you some. Well, anyway, they go. Uh, 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 Philip, I gotta really go because you guys, you are not listening near quick enough. Um, so, so Philip goes down, and they, they actually they go down the road. He continues to disciple him. This process, you know, in this passage, it could have taken an hour or whatever. But I'm telling you, discipleship takes sometimes years of being involved in somebody's life and walking through them, through with them. The things that they're going through. The things that you're going through. Sharing life together. All that stuff. It's not just a 30 second interaction standing in line in Walmart. There is 
there's somebody in your circle of influence that you need to talk to because God has placed them there. Amen. It could be like, like Cecil. He goes to dialysis three times a week. And so it could there could be, and I don't know that this is there could be a nurse that he sees every single time that he goes to dialysis. And when he prays to God, please let me know, is there somebody in my life? All I ever do is go to doctor's appointments, you know, and I, who can say that? You know, I don't leave my house except for doctor appointments and, and the grocery store. But Cecil goes three times a week, he goes to dialysis. There is a nurse there, and this is assumption on my part, that does not know Christ. And because of her background, Cecil, man, this is a scary thought. Cecil is the only Bible that that woman is going to read. And God has placed her in his path to win her to Christ. And when we are open to those situations, that is when change is going to happen. Amen. Discipleship is not just checking off a box. Discipleship is caring for somebody that is going, if they die tomorrow, they would be in hell and there's no second chances. And you care enough about that person to spend some time with them explaining what Christ has done for you in your life. Either you're going to do that or you're not. And that's not on me. It's not a program that we have to follow. It's actually a prompting of the Holy Spirit. You need to go talk to them. You need to go say something to them. Introduce yourself. And, and I'm telling you right now, the ones that have done this, they will tell you there is no feeling like it in the world. When you finally get to the point and you're talking to your neighbor, you're talking to the cashier at Walgreens, you're talking to whoever. <clears throat> One, there is no feeling in the world when you're sitting here and they walk through those doors. Are you kidding me? When you started talking to them, they were so dead set against anything that was religious. And because of your life, your influence, you're sitting there one Sunday and they walk in. Like, listen, there's something different about you. I, I just got to see what it is. I got to see what this church is about. You brag about these people all the time. I just wanted to show up. I'll give you two weeks. I'll give you two weeks. That's why I take such... I make this a priority in my life. Because I know how hard it is for you to go talk to somebody... Invite them to come to church, and they come here, and it's a disaster of a service. And it embarrasses you, and it's the one time, the one shot, the one shot that you had to reach that person. And and, and we come up here, and it's just thrown together, and you know, and and, and you know, it's not a very good service, and and you know, all this stuff happens. I take this very seriously because I know how much work you have put into that person that just walked in here. 
And I'm just excited for you as you are when they walk in there. Because I know what the work that you put into that. And it was scary at times. So it's very, very important. Go down to the next slide. I want to just real quickly, I want to show you some of the other examples. Titus 2.4. Older women are to train the younger women. That's an example of discipleship. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Paul trained Timothy to train others to train others. We already talked about that. Ephesians 6. Fathers are to train their children. Matthew 28. Missionaries are to teach the nations everywhere uh, Jesus commanded. Go to the next one. Hebrews 3. All Christians are to lift up each other uh, in ev every day to avoid sin and stir each other to love and good works. So there is a part of the discipleship process where we tend to each other. But that's not the whole. We have to attend to each other to build each other up to what? Go out. To go. To do the work of the ministry. First Peter uh, 4, all Christians are to uh, use their gift to serve others. Not just in the church, but in your circle of influence. And Priscilla and Aquila, Acts 18, uh, they even, in their home, privately, they hung out with Apollos and explained the scriptures to him. We can do it that way. Start a little Bible study at your house. A neighborhood Bible study that means at your home that you lead. That would step out of your box, wouldn't it? But you have neighbors that are dying and going to hell because you don't think that you know enough about Scripture. This is serious stuff. And we're commanded to reach the world around us. The thing I like about the Philip and the Ethiopian, the story there, do you realize nothing happened in that entire story except for the very end when, when Philip disappears? But, but there is nothing in that story that happened that could not happen to one of us today when we leave this building. There was nothing miraculous. There was nothing, there was no miracle done to lead the Ethiopian. The Holy Spirit prompted Philip. He obeyed, he went, he talked to the guy, and lo and behold, he accepted Christ. Because he shared his testimony, because he shared what the scripture says. And he got baptized. Just think about that person walking through here, and after two weeks of hearing your incredible pastor... <laughs> They come up and say, I need to get baptized. I got, I got to do something. There is something about these people. There's something about this church. There's something about the words that you are teaching. I need that. And so they come forward, and your friend, your new friend, in a month is up here getting baptized and professing their faith to the entire congregation. Are you kidding me? What else could be more exciting than that? should be our goal. That should what that is what should drive us every day when we wake up. Who is my one person? And it may take years. Prepare yourself. 
And there's no program to follow, believe it or not. You get to know them, they get to know you. Your life shines in their life. They want what you want. That's it. That's discipleship. That's reaching the nations. That's reaching the world. So, go make disciples. Go and make disciples. Share your testimony with somebody. Pray that God will open those doors. Spend time with someone uh, that does not know Jesus as their Savior. Get involved in their life and make a difference for the kingdom this week. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much uh, just for the, the opportunity the freedom that we have, Lord. And I would just pray, I, I don't know where everybody is, I don't know what, what this even looks like in their own lives, but Lord, I just pray right now that you would start opening doors, and not only opening doors, but, but you start the prompting process, the conviction process, that we actually walk through those doors. That we start conversations that might be a little difficult at times. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. And we can grow this church with new converts to the kingdom of God. And how exciting would that be? How much more life would that bring to this congregation? That's what we need to be about. So Lord, I just pray right now that, that, that we would, we would, we would seek we would look for opportunities to share our own testimony, what you have done in our lives, with somebody this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find Bow Gardens Baptist Church at 2700 Sarno Road in Melbourne. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and on the internet at bowgardensbaptist.com.